Welcome to Geek Exploration Creator Corner. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson, and we are joined today by Pete Collins, the artiste behind The Bardic Verses, which is live on Kickstarter right now. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. Pleasure to meet you as well. Um, so, Bardic Verses, why don't you uh, give us the, the elevator pitch here? Let our, let our listeners know just exactly what this thing is, boiled down to its very essence. Okay, uh, The Bardic Verses is a story of a bard. Uh, Martin Swordhand, who comes from a long lineage of warriors. He decides to deviate from what his uh, ancestors have done and decides to just do music. That's what he loves. And he spends a lot of time kind of in the shadow of specifically his father, who is uh, this great warrior across the realm. Uh, you know, he's often compared to him and he's just trying to find out who he is. And he spends a lot of t- a lot of the time throughout the throughout the course of the book serving as an NPC. There's a lot of parallels to you know tabletop RPGs. He's not the character that you'd play. He's the character that would be in the background. <laughs> but that's not to say that adventure doesn't find him anyway. We decided artistically that we were going to make the book as unique as we possibly could. And as he's playing his his songs, he starts off in a tavern at the beginning of the of the book. And as he starts to play his set list, if you will, it's really him telling the story about how he got to that tavern. And he's there for a reason. And each story or song from his perspective is done in a different artistic style where we're channeling everything from Kirby to Frank Miller. There's some 90s extreme Rob Liefeldian kind of art in there. (laughs) Even some Bill Watterson. We get uh, a little weird with the art. Yeah, I was wondering about that because, because like looking at the Kickstarter, I noticed like the shots that you guys have of it, it's like, man, like this seems like the art style changes frequently. Uh, like we we yeah. have, we have like the you know a small sampler of it, and it's got like three different art styles just in those nineteen pages, and it's cool. Yeah, thanks. We you know we decided we wanted to kind of make an anthology that wasn't an anthology, right? Like this, I think the project itself almost lends itself to being handled by multiple artists. Uh, but we decided to keep it close just between Matt and myself. We wanted to push the boundaries. Uh, artistically, this is, it, it was a challenge for me to try and like hone in. How do I capture a 1930s black and white noir kind of art style? Cause it's not really my typical area of expertise. So, um, you know, that was a challenge uh, trying to draw in like a Disney style. That's not something I do very often. That was a challenge. Yeah, I saw I saw one little shot of the the Disney style guy, and I was like, "Oh, there it is!" Like, like I found myself looking at the little the little pictures, like trying to pick it out after having read, you know, the different styles. And that was something that that caught my attention at first because you know it it starts off in one style, and then you know he goes well without giving anything away from our from the preview that we got to read. You know, it it immediately goes into a very recognizable art style, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" So is this is I questioned myself, is this an anthology? Because I, I jumped right into the book or the preview um, before reading, you know, the Kickstarter and everything behind it. Um, and then when it jumps into another art style, then, it, that, you know, it, I, I would have bet that it was, you know, different teams and that it was a traditional anthology. But that's really cool that you're taking the anthology concept, but doing it all yourself. That, that must be creatively a lot of fun. It is and it isn't. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I wish I had thought out my approach a little bit better. Uh, I started as doing it true sequential. I'm starting on page one and I'm going all the way through until we're done. That bit me in the backside a little bit when 
because I'm ping ponging in and out of my own style. Right. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't until we hit about the, the 50th page or so where I started to look at my style and I realized I've evolved because I'm pulling up different people's, you know, pros and cons. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm learning a lot from that. Um, so we actually went back and redid the first four pages again. Oh, geez. The other thing you were talking about, Pete, was the uh, the inspiration from role-playing games, RPGs. And that that was, you know, looking at the title for Bardic Versus and then the opening, like, certainly it, it felt like, like, like I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be just an entire, you know, like, like kind of campaign of sorts, because it definitely felt like that. You know, he's like, I don't need you, you know, in, in my crew for this, you know, like, I need a warrior. Um, I played Dungeons and Dragons for years. I, I cut my teeth on second edition. I play a little fifth edition now. Matt never really got into that scene, although like I think through the course of this, as we've been fleshing out things and and, and world building, I think his interest has certainly uh, evolved. Like we, we've mentioned, you know, maybe doing something a, uh, a few times. There is a world building aspect, I think, to what we've done here too. The whole book itself is is a series of homages, right? It's an homage to the the anthologies that we see on Kickstarter in the community that we try to be a part of. Uh, it is an homage to different artists and different stories throughout, you know, the last 20, 30, 40 years. And it is an homage to RPGs, you know, tabletop RPGs. Um, so much so that we decided that we were actually going to include as extras in the book. Uh, we're going to include um, some character sheets. Nice. So we actually, we actually made some fifth edition character sheets for five or six of the characters uh, in the book. Just, just as like a nice little to have thing, a little added bonus. We have a map too. So if, if somebody decides that they want to try and make something, you know, like a, like a, a nice little homebrew adventure out of this, by all means, you've got the, you've got the tools to do so. That's awesome. Yeah, ben, ben might do that. He's uh he's quite, quite the DM himself. Nice. Oh yeah. I play, I still play once a week right now. I used to play like two or three times a week, but uh, you know, yeah. life. Yeah, I get it. I totally do. I totally do. I, um, what's interesting is, well, Matt, Matt and I came up with the idea for the Bardic Verses. Um, it was a, it was a backup to another thing that we were doing with a, a different group of, you know, other creators, uh, that kind of fell apart or at least stalled out, we'll say. And, uh, it was around the time that like the Witcher show had come out and Matt said something about how the Bard was the most interesting character in the show to him. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, Bards tend to be that way. And we got in this long conversation about. You know, in Dungeons and Dragons, if you're playing the bard, you have to be the most interesting person because you're not the best fighter. Maybe you have some magical skills, but you're definitely not the best at it. Um, you've got some roguish like qualities, but you're not really a rogue. You know, so like to play a bard, you almost have to give in to it as the player a lot of the time. And um, you know, everybody else can get by rolling dice. <laughs> Especially in like second edition and and three oh, five yeah. and stuff. I mean the the bard is not a combat effective class. They balanced it a little bit better in 5e. Yeah, they did. I saw that. A bard can be a bit more useful now, but uh Yeah. Yeah, the the traditional bard is uh it's a class that you play because you want to role play it. Exactly. Exactly. It's more about the acting for those people, not yeah. rolling the dice and getting critical hits. Um so that kind of steamrolled the whole thing, right? So like I'm talking D&D, &D. he's talking, you know, Witcher and interesting characters that should get more 
you know, more screen time. And from that, this whole thing just evolved. Uh, and, and our collaboration has been so, so tight. I mean, I don't have a lot of, um, base for comparison. This is my first project. Matt's been doing this for about 12 years. You know, he's been published through Double Take, where he wrote uh, a five, five issue book called Dedication, which takes place during the Night of the Living Dead in a grocery store with like the overnight crew. It's pretty awesome. It's worth a check out. You know, he's been in All Star Foo Bar. He's written for Kayfabe, Dead Beats. Uh, anthology uh, that came out last, I think, last year or the year before. So he's he's you know he's got uh, a really solid understanding as to like how a lot of the process works. For me, this collaboration is great, but I'm also like I also recognize like I'm lucky. You know, when it comes to our process, it's we talk all the time. There's a lot of communication, and he gives me a pretty wide wide berth to just do what I want to do with the art. So it's pretty cool. Which is good because if this is your first major project, uh, you definitely didn't uh, you didn't decide to take it safe and easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I did not. I did not. Yeah, and you've you've mentioned Matt uh, a couple times here. This is Matt Sumo, the uh, the writer of Bardic Versus here, and and co creator. You guys uh, from the beginning, and then there's also another Matt who is uh, the letterer, correct? Yeah, uh, Matt Crotzer. He's our he's he's the font specialist. He is. Uh, he is our, our our letterer extraordinaire. That man knows his craft really well. He really and does. He, and, uh, you you mentioned this is your first uh, sequential work, but I read I read that your first published work uh, was in Kayfabe as well, right? Was it was it a pinup or? Uh, yeah, it was. It was uh, Kayfabe Volume Three. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, well, I'll rewind a little bit here. Matt and I met at our day job. You know, I was drawing things you know i i tend to draw little things and like throw them to coworkers, ha- have them hang it up you know little cheeky things i would just doodle in a meeting or whatever matt saw that and started asking around hey there's an artist here who is that likewise i was hearing from other coworkers. there's this dude he's published comics he, i think you guys have a lot in common you guys should talk like we met up at the holiday christmas party had a conversation and uh, he told me he was working on that and that they were looking for pinup artists and asked me if I wanted to pitch something. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Stayed up for like two straight days to do it because I was like, so in the zone. Yeah. Probably freaking out a little bit too. Yeah. A little bit, (laughs) a little bit, a little bit. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, like it's, it's gotta be good, but it's gotta be funny. It's gotta be some seriousness to it, but it was, it was awesome. That was an awesome experience. That's what really got me kind of, you know, in the zone with, with the Bardic Versus is just having that one pinup published you know, it became very apparent to me, like, okay, I can do this. You know, that was always like the dream. That was the goal, you know, years and years ago before, before kids, before bills, before, you know, before adult life. Yeah. No one, (laughs) no one, no one gets into, into comics to become independently wealthy. Right. Yep. So, you know, now that my kids are older, it's like, okay, like all the stars are kind of aligning. My kids are headed, are going off to college at this point. And I've got more time and I can show them it's okay to put your dream aside if you have to, but you got to come back to it. You got to be true to yourself, you know, like that one last, last childhood lesson. So it's, um, that's been, that's been my drive here is to just kind of get it out. Jeez. My, my kid's learning a different lesson. You're going to be neglected in your early days. So, so I can have my, my comic book dreams. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. But but I think I think the uh, the pace at which I'm working uh, tells a different story. I think my kids getting plenty of time. Yeah, <laughs> nice. yeah, you're 
<laughs> you're balancing it such that you're neglecting both. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> this is your first major major project working with Matt, then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Anybody really? Oh, that's um, awesome. You know, Matt. Matt and I have joked around a couple of times, like, like, uh, you know, he's he's Tim Burton, and I'm, you know, Christopher Lee, right? Like, you know, he's the only he's the only director I've had. He's the only writer I've had. So, which is a good thing. We have a really good rapport. You know, it's, uh, you know, when we start, you know, sending each other messages, it's like, hey, I had an idea, and then it it turns into an hour long conversation, and you know, whether that idea lands or not is relevant because we probably spit out six or seven other ideas. Yeah, it's a really good relationship. It's surprising too because the art is is good, and you, it doesn't look like you're an amateur who just uh, this is your first big project. I mean, it it looks professional. Thank you. Yeah, that's 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 high praise. I appreciate that. We had, um, you know, the the plan was originally to go to art school. I took that dreaded year off. Oh it's, yeah. If you're listening, don't take a year off. And <laughs> it was a uh, you know that was the nail in the coffin for that plan. Um, but yeah, so I've I've had I've had you know. 18, 19 years to just practice on my own. Are you doing all the everything from pencils through colors? Yeah, I'm doing everything. Uh, I, every bit of art in this. Um, also the logo. Any, anything that's anything that's not not a word or a letter. Jeez. Yeah. Ooh. So it's been a trip. Yeah, you're kind of a madman there. And, and I also had to teach myself digital because it, it became apparent. Like I wanted to originally pursue this in a traditional format, but... It's not easy to carry all your paper and your pens with you back and forth to work to draw on a lunch break, right? So I had an iPad. I decided to utilize it for drawing. I was kind of already dabbling with that anyway. So what better way to spend four hours when your kid's at band camp <laughs> than yep. in your car drawing? So Yeah. So what, what, uh, what's your rig? What are you working on? Sure. Uh, it, different than it started out. Uh, originally, it started out on an iPad Air with a $5 stylus. And most of the time, I just used my fingertip. Uh, and I was using lower grade uh, art app called Art Studio, very generic, that I learned kind of how to draw on uh, digitally anyway. And then I upgraded. I got the, um, the iPad Pro 12 or 13.9, whatever this is. Uh, yeah. went, went big on the storage. Um, I've got the Apple Pencil now. I'm using Procreate, which I... I did nothing nothing but procreate for like a weekend just to get the hang of it, just to like balance the layout in my mind. Between that and drawing other people's styles, it was like, I have to go back and like do some of these pages over again, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm currently on the, on the same thing. The, the iPad pro 12.9 with the, with the Apple pencil. And it's, it's a game changer. Like it's, it's silly. I've, I've done some other tablets and stuff and procreate is, is such a weird Thing to draw in because that's what I'm currently penciling our book in as well. But you know, if you're used to Photoshop or Clip Studio Paint, like Procreate, the the interface is so different, but somehow it feels so good. Like like there there are some things that I'm missing, but like you can do most anything, and you can do other things better. Like I, I when I was looking at your at your book, I was I I I was thinking it was digital. But I wasn't sure. Uh, that that seems to be the way to go these days. I was fighting myself, but it's the best investment I, I, I think I could have possibly made for this project. You know, just the, the ease of taking it with me, the ease of, you know, the sturdiness of it. Right. And, you know, the, the, that pencil, the pencil's durable. 
right? Like I, I've dropped it downstairs. I've, <laughs> I've abused it in a lot of ways that you probably shouldn't abuse a $150 pencil for, uh, but <laughs> it, it, it works and it works well. Yeah. And the, you know, like the, the, the tilt function and the sensitivity, like it's, it's better than, than any, any other like display or tablet I've used. I like to wrap, wrap little band-aids around mine to, as, as little grips. That's a good idea. I find myself like choking up on it. Like if I'm drawing for extended periods of time, my hand kind of slips down it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So like it's, yeah, yeah. uh, I got those, uh, the flex fabric ones. So it's nice and soft on my fingies too. Yeah. Apple's got to make everything super smooth and streamlined. Oh yeah. N- no texture on anything. I, I would, I would kill for a couple of small indents right here. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just above there. That that's, that's the other thing that the, that the band-aids did for me. I mean, it seems so silly to have band-aids wrapped around your, your technological devices, but it also, you know, the, the, the bump from the band-aid itself just gives you that little bit of grip. So like this part rests in my hand here and then, and then, uh, this one up here, like I used to have two up there to, to put, you know, so I could put my finger between, but it's, it's ridiculous. What a, what a simple little solution it is. It's not one of those giant bulky pencil grips. Um, okay. So let's, uh, what do you, what do you say? You want to jump to the Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, let's do it. We've, so we've got, uh, you've got Bardic Verses, an 80 page graphic novella, which is, uh, 66 pages of story and 14 pages of back matter. Um, you've got 25 days to go and holy shit, you guys are already at, uh, at 3,856 of your $5,000 goal. That is insane. Yeah. You're already above 75%. That's that. That is a good sign. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So what, what kind of, uh, what kind of prep did you guys do ahead of time? Like, did you guys just have like a gnarly list and a gnarly network? Um, you know, we started, no, not really. We, <laughs> we, we <laughs> not at all. So, um, this is my, my first Kickstarter. Matt's been associated to other Kickstarters, uh, before, but as part of like a bigger group with anthologies and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, so it's his first solo run as well. Uh, so we had to, we had to do something of a crash course. Um, we, mm-hmm. we've leaned into a couple of, a couple of people that, you know, we, um, we chat with on like Twitter. We have a Twitter group that we're part of that, you know, everybody just kind of chats, uh, Easton Daverna, who's had a few successful Kickstarters like a guardian recently. He did uh samurai grandpa. Um, <laughs> you know, he was, he's been awesome through this. He's kind of been a good ear for us to, to kind of pull on when we need some direction. I think, I think the whole thing evolved, right? At the beginning, we were looking at like what other people were doing, right? Other people are selling shirts and do, they have 19 different physical pinups that they're shipping to people. And there's all these different tiers and, you know, there's, there's stretch goals that'll get you a sticker. We decided we, you know, we, we were entertaining all of that at first. And then we just decided we're going to keep it humble, right? Like we want the book to be an experience and we don't want to take away from that too much. So. Currently, any tier that, that gets a physical copy, it's a physical book. We're going to put two stickers in it. There's going to be a signed book plate, which if you want to stick it in your book, you can. If you want to keep it separate, you can do that too. That'll be signed by myself, Matt, and Matt Crosser as well. We're going to have a bookmark in there, a high-quality, heavy laminate cardstock bookmark. Everything is going to be on a board and shrink-wrapped together for extra protection in the mailer. We wanted to just make it like its own package, right? Like, sure, stickers are awesome. We'll put some stickers in there. We'll throw a bookmark in there. Who doesn't like a good bookmark? You know, we don't want to sign in each copy of the book. 
because you know we're in three different states myself and both mats so it's that's complex so we'll do a book plate awesome and the math just the math in doing that and keeping it humble right it was was complex it's all theoretical you're trying to determine how many people are going to back how many different tiers at different levels right so if you've got i think we have we have six six tiers seven tiers if you count the tip jar i guess right yeah and it's like you don't know how many people are going to back digital versus physical necessarily you don't know how many people are going to say yeah that big tier that that's enticing i want that so you're doing hypothetical math based on theoretical backing and you get (laughs) potential results so after spending a, a few days going crazy, we just said we're gonna we're gonna make it bare bone. Well, I mean, it seems to be working, so that's good. That'll keep things simple for you on fulfillment too. Yeah, we we when, yeah. when we did our first one, we I put together like a big spreadsheet. Like, so if people back these ones for this much, this is what it gets to. But if they do these, it's this, and you're just you're trying to make all these completely random and meaningless guesses as to what people are gonna do and how it's gonna work out and. Uh, Thankfully, it worked out for us, but it very easily could have gone the other way. Like if everyone did the lowest tier one, like, does it work out? I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough thing to kind of figure out what people are going to value, especially when you've never done it before. And it's not something that anyone's ever seen. So it's not like you have like a fan base yet. Yeah, we don't like, you know, um, Matt's got a good following on Twitter. You know, I've got uh deep network through anything but twitter <laughs> so <laughs> you know we, we leaned in we leaned into where our strengths were almost to annoying like levels i'd say over the last week mm-hmm. and a half two weeks i believe that you kind of have to right you know we try and make it funny we try and switch it up so it's not the same generic post again and again but <laughs> yeah yeah you are you are preaching to the choir like man we're we're gonna, we're gonna have another one coming up and i just i have no idea how i'm gonna prepare myself to to do that because like yeah just trying to find different variations because you gotta post every day or most every day and you know you, you just don't have that much like promo art you know just at the ready you know what i found uh very helpful is um there's a there's a website called uh hootsuite where you can like sync up like all your socials or whatever. Like a couple of weeks ago, I gave it a try. You get like a 30 day trial or something. So it's all you need for your campaign. Yeah. Right. And after that, it's like 80 bucks a month. So make sure you cancel it before it. <laughs> you can schedule a post every 10 minutes for as long as you want. And it syncs it up. You just write them all out in advance, you know, and it just does it for you. Um, and then it's just a matter of like checking those responses and, and whatnot. I found that it made it easier. Twitter's got, I think it was like tweet deck or something. It's, oh, mm-hmm. I got to remember what it was because it's coming up again. But Twitter has like a built-in tool where you can see like a whole bunch of different stuff at once and you can schedule multiple tweets and see what you've got scheduled out. And I used the hell out of that because I looked into some of the those nice. aggregator ones where you could like clump it all together, but uh, they seemed really complicated and all of them wanted to charge me money. Yeah. Well, definitely check out Hootsuite when the, when the time comes for you guys because it's, um, I thought it was a game changer. And if they're giving you 30 days for free, that's all you need. That's mm-hmm. it. Man. I can do a couple days manual just to, just to be safe, put some bumpers on it. Yeah. One of the things that I kind of figured out like most of the way through the Kickstarter was we were trying to do something new every day or have something fresh every day. And then like about halfway through when I was, A, I was running out of stuff. And B, it was like, yeah. well, you know what? 
it, you know, the whole, the name of the game is trying to get it in front of as many eyes as you can, which means most of the people probably didn't see the last thing you posted. And so it's okay yeah. if you do a little bit of repeating. It, it feels weird for me putting out the, some repeat stuff because, you know, it feels like you're advertising because you are. Yeah. Or, or like, exactly. or like going on shows <laughs> like this, it was like, Oh, but you go on and you say a bunch of the same stuff again, and it feels weird saying the same shit over and over again. No, <laughs> but no, that's the it, gig. It, it, it does. I can relate to that. Yeah, it's also kind of therapeutic in a sense too, though, right? Because it's like, it's like, um, I think, I think at this point, you know, Matt and I have done a good handful of these, so like we hit our stride, and it's like sometimes we switch off of each other just to like you know break it up. Like he'll talk about the art, and I'll talk about the writing, or you know, something weird, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> But also too, it's therapeutic, right? Like it just kind of like assures it sure assures you like you're on the same page. You know, you guys are telling the same stories with the same tempo, the same the same upbeatness, the same sense of purpose, right? Since you got involved with them fairly early, did you help with like story development at all too, or did Matt handle ninety percent of the writing and let you do the art? It's kind of like a I guess eighty twenty split uh, both ways, right? So like Matt handles the entire story, the, the entire the entire thing. If I feel inclined to make a suggestion like, hey, let's bump out these panels instead of four, let's go to six. He's always cool with that. You know, he, he just gives me carte blanche. Hey, if you think the art needs it, then you want to add some panels, you want to merge panels, you want to add a page, go for it. And, you know, he he kind of does like a tidy up writing process after the fact. Uh, and s- same thing with the art. Like if I draw something and he, you know, thinks that, hey, maybe we could try this instead. I'm game to try it, you know? So we both own our processes in full throughout the book, but there is that percentage where like we kind of afford each other, I think, uh, the ability to, you know, chime in and say, all right, how about this instead? Or wouldn't it be cool if we did this differently or whatever? Don't get any ideas, Ben. <laughs> I ain't changing shit. Well, that's cool. so, so he's not Alan mooring you and, and uh... no, no, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been really great. What are your influences and like, wh- how did you, I mean, it's hard to tell because like this book is full of many different styles and stuff. So like, it's hard to tell what your base style is, but who are your more major influences? You know, it's interesting. My, my son told me the other day, he, he's kind of like my, uh, he's my quality control. Right? Nice. Like I, I show him the, I show him the pages and if he's, if he seems impressed or seems to like it, or if he doesn't have any, mostly if he doesn't have any comments, right? then it's, um, I know it's okay. I know it's good. I know it's where I want it to be. And he said something to me the other day. He was like, he's like, dad, you know, you draw so much differently with a pen. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I kind of do. So like, I, I, I am kind of looking to, to do something traditionally after this. I think that's where like really my influences are a little more clear. So I grew up with awesome grandparents. They owned a comic book shop in the early nineties. Oh shit. Awesome. So um I, you know, used to spend some time there on the weekends. And, you know, we're talking Jim Lee's X-Men, uh, the formation of Image, McFarland's Spider-Man, you know, the the, the hot art comics of the nineties. Yeah. And before then, like I knew comic books. I was into them a little bit, but it wasn't until like they opened up that little shop that it was like Okay, and now now I'm in, I'm enthralled. You know, I used to get like handed free comics all the time. Who could complain about that? Mm-hmm. Other than I wish they were a little bit more in value from the nineties. <laughs> <But>, yeah, <laughs> but you know, so I pulled a lot from that kind of stuff. You know, um, uh, not anything directly or solely, right? Like when I'm drawing with with ink on paper, 
I think I lean into a combination of like McFarlane with maybe a little Silvestri. I'm not as good as Mark Silvestri in any capacity. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but, but that was definitely an influence, right? Like the tightness of like his lines, but then also some of the grittiness that McFarlane would in, would inflect into, into his inks, you know, where it had a little bit of like, I don't want to say splotchiness, but like a, a, just a grittiness to it. Yeah. It would have texture. What's, what's, what's interesting about, about McFarlane's inks is that he's got such clean, thin lines, but there's so many of them that it becomes texture. Yeah, exactly. But not in a gross Rob Liefeld way. No, not, <laughs> not. And, and, and I can, I can say after doing eight pages of Liefeld like art in this book, <laughs> uh, which, which I promise is more a parody than a no match. That's what makes me excited <laughs> to see it. Like when you, when you mentioned Liefeld, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm curious what he does with that. Yeah, that 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 part of the story is fantastic. It involves uh, there's a little bit of a little bit of a you know crime spree happening in the in the town of Leafield, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of pouches that are stolen. <laughs> so that's where I drew a lot of inspiration from early on. Nowadays, you know, as I'm doing a lot more digital stuff, I honestly find myself looking at more colors. I, I think I think the way the colors were done in the '90s and the way the colors are done now, it's such a massive game changer. You know, oh, yeah. the, the penciler doesn't have to do so much. The inker doesn't have to be so bold all the time with their inks. The colorist is handling more and more. And, um, you know, I think uh, for our side project that kind of fell apart, that's what I was looking to do. I was looking to do the colors for that just to kind of expand uh, on my own ability to put together a palette. Because typically outside of this, I just work in black and white ink all the time. Yeah, I hear you. Like, I, I, I stopped at... at the color with our, with our book. Cause like, I, I, I know I can color something, but I'm just, I'm just too scared to, to make the leap. You know, like I, I, I was thinking about it recently. Like when people compare movies and comics to each other, it, it's like, you know, there's clearly like the writer and director of the, of the, uh, the writer and artist. But I was trying to think of like, like the colorist, it's almost like the colorist is the composer. Yeah, and, and like the soundtrack to it, and because it can create so much mood depending on on how they want to do their job, and it can it can sell a moment and fill it with emotion, or it can just totally distract from what's happening. You know, if if it's if it's shitty. Yeah, I tried my hand at coloring briefly, but uh, I'm partially colorblind, so John kept telling me it looked shitty, so I stopped. <laughs> i think i said more than anything it was too saturated i think that, that that was where i went to more than anything but i also when i'm coloring i'm super desaturated like i'm i'm terrified of of bold colors yeah so it's i, I work with a very muted palette yeah that's that that was an issue i ran into early on in the book actually was everything was kind of flat you know and then like to try and add some depth i i, I and I was using like burning tools, uh, you know, through the apps. And it's like, everything's starting to get like this orange tinge to it. <laughs> you know? And then I started like, I started trying to like smudge in darker colors and it's like, okay, now it just looks muddy. Um, and where I, where I ultimately landed was almost doing kind of like a, kind of like a cell shaded, um, shading process almost where it's like, I'm, I'm outlining things more than I'm actually shading. But yeah, it gives yeah. off that perception. It's kind of like a false, like a false illusion, you know, um, that something's shaded when it's not. 
Yeah, I, I I do something similar to to cell shading. Like like I'll just, it, I mean, I guess it's kind of a cartoon style where where it's like, you know, just just one one layer of like shadow at at you know like twenty percent opacity on black, just so just so you can lay something over it and then do a highlight layer. Like I know I know it's uh it's not the the best practice, but I feel like it it sells what I need it to at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure like professional colorist would would kick me to the curb and and you know be offended by by the side of what i'm doing but well that's that's the goal of the campaign honestly right <laughs> is you know we 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 have a five thousand dollar mark to fund the to fund the printing right and and to um you know cover our costs matt and i aren't taking a page rate in this book at all um so what what we decided was anything that we anything that we accrue throughout the the course of you know crowdfunding that it would be considered profit we are putting directly into volume two that helps keep that goal down that helps keep that goal humble and if it does really well then i'm going to be reaching out to some colors <laughs> yeah, that's that's where the majority of the money from our kickstarter went was to colors because uh i'm sure yeah we didn't pay ourselves anything off of it and uh and yeah we, it's the same thing funneling it into the next the next issue yeah you know, hopefully for maybe four issues down the road, uh, we could, uh, we pocket a couple hundred bucks here and there. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, as, as long as if, if we can just get it to where like the, the, the sales from the, from the thing that we funded fund the next one, but we can keep funding, you know, then, then maybe after, after issue six, we can, uh, we can take a little payday since the work is done. So Pete, what is next up for you guys? Say this thing stays on track and funds, super funds, you know, whatever. Um, does this book have a definitive start and finish or is it uh, planned as, you know, a, the first part of an ongoing series? Uh, it has a, it has an end, um, but that end has a small opening that could lead to something else. Okay. The hope is that it leads to something else. Um, but that's going to be very much based on the success of the campaign, making sure that we fund. Um, and, um, but yeah, we've, we have, um, kicked around a couple of ideas already, things that we would want in the next one. Uh, I think the tone of it will be a little bit more, um, like right now it's, there's comedy, it's a fantasy setting. There's some action. The next one is probably going to still be all three of those things, but have a little bit of a horror twist to it. Oh, fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I may or may not have already scribbled down some character designs on that uh, <laughs> piece of paper on my desk. Well, I, 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 would, I would hope so. You got you to gotta keep, uh, keep the creativity flowing. So if you guys do a second volume, uh, are, are you going to keep with the uh, pseudo anthology look or are you going to maybe, you know, pin down your art style? I think it's going to be it's going to be the same pseudo uh, anthology type of type of appearance. Not that we're going to, I think, stick to the exact same format where yeah. he's telling a story about how he got to where he is. But but yes, yes, we're definitely going to continue our our paying homages and potential you know, making parodies of, of things for the sake of our story. You know, I, I, I feel like I should have asked this earlier, but um, what made you guys go for the graphic novella approach as opposed to, you know, doing uh, regular standard, you know, 22 page comic books and doing three of them? Matt had a great story where, you know, he wanted to be able to tell 
that story in full. And I think over the course of us talking about, you know, how we wanted the book to look and, you know, what we really wanted to do with it, I think we just kind of landed on like it being something like a graphic novel, right? And and I will say this, you know, from the the story itself does have some does have some true touching moments in it. There is there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of, you know, slapstick in the backgrounds. You know, I try to make everything, every background have something in it that you can look for. But Matt very finely navigates telling a story about um, a bard that kind of fumbles his way through things and gets out by the skin of his teeth and then kind of shifting into more serious tone. You know, the relationship that he had with his father, some other things, too. There's definitely a heart to the story. And the moral of the story, honestly, is be who you want to be, you know, not who people think you should be. There's definitely emotion behind it. In taking the the kind of the larger format book approach, um, I'm curious, how long did production take? I know how much work goes into comic pages, and it is, uh, you know, setting the goal of an 80-page book is uh, intimidating to me. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's 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 intimidating to me. I wish I knew that before. <laughs> um, I, I probably would have paced myself a little differently. So Matt and I have been working on this for about a year. Oh wow! When uh, when the pandemic hit, where I work, I am a required physical presence. So I would have loved to have worked remote. <laughs> I really <laughs> would have, because then I probably could have eked out a little bit more. But what I was what I was able to do there is like I was able to you know, utilize my time at work, my breaks, my lunch, you know, whatever, sneak away for 40 minutes. Hope nobody's listening to this and um, <laughs> try to, try to, try to work, work out some things. I would take vacations and I would bang out four or five pages in the course of a week. And then other times I take a vacation and it's like, wow, I got through a page and a quarter. It, it, it's kind of like peaked and lulled at times, but over the course of the year, you know, it was, it was at least a nice pace. You know, we didn't put any pressure on ourselves to get it done. We tried to keep play it close to the chest. We would share like little things here and there about it, but it wasn't until, until we hit like 45 pages in where we're like, okay, now this is serious. Now we'll start sharing a few previews. Now we'll start, you know, posting about coming in 2021, look for it on Kickstarter in the near future and that kind of stuff. I think I probably was a little bit more stressed about it than Matt was, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I want to be, I want to get it out. I got to, you know. And he was just like, look, man, there's, we're, we have zero pressure. And he's right. Like, it, it's just been cool and casual. Nice. You guys are the second folks we've talked to uh, recently that uh, pre launch on your website have merch available. Yes. Yes, we do. How has that gone? Like, because I, I thought about that when before our first Kickstarter, it was like, who's going to buy merch of this thing they've never heard of? But like, the last folks we were talking to were saying, like, yeah, we we uh, we we've sold a bunch of it. It's like, wh- who is buying stuff for this property they've never yeah. heard of? <laughs> a lot of friends and families and coworkers that you have blackmail on. Oh uh, man, honestly, <laughs> should have thought of that. Yeah, it's we we started messing around with merch. I'd say six seven months ago ish. You know, we tried a couple of different like print on demand services like Teespring. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think we're on Spreadshirt now. And those are great sites. You know, we were testing the quality. I ordered a few shirts for myself, um, you know, a hat, that sort of thing. And that was right around the time where we like had hit kind of like a point in production of like pages where it was like, okay, we feel more comfortable talking about this. It's, we're not going to just drop it. 
we've already got all the way to this point. And just talking, you know, with coworkers or family, like, hey, we're doing this thing. Check this out. All the proceeds go into helping to pay down production. So it's been, it's been well, though. I think we've probably sold, gosh, uh, I want to say like 30, 30 different items nice. you know, since, since the website's gone up. So it's worth it. No, it's something that I didn't even, that I'd kind of just dismissed offhand saying like, this is not something anyone would, would yeah. buy without actually even thinking about it. And it seems like I was wrong. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and the, and the bookmark that's actually, that's actually going to be included in with the physical copies is going to have a little QR code for 20% off. Oh, oh cool. That's cool. So that's we're going to hopefully encourage people to go check that out. Cause um, we do have some cool merch that hasn't even launched yet because there's some spoilery stuff. So after the book comes out, there's going to be some some more stuff. Bitching. Well, that's cool. There's some spoilers coming down that you guys aren't talking about. Because sometimes we, you know, we we do one of these shows, and it's like one of those trailers that just give way too much away. But I feel like this this one's gone well as far as the balance between talking about it and what makes it special and what's exciting about it without actually having given away any plot details at all. Yeah, there's there's an entire section of the book that is. 11 pages that I've only shared, I think between Matt and myself, I think we've only probably shared three panels from. Nice. What's it all about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's the, tell what's us all the about scoop? it. <laughs> <laughs> about stuff. <laughs> and that one, that one I'm particularly proud of, you know, that's, that's got kind of a, uh, Ryan Oatley thing going on, um, artistically. Yeah. And, uh, it's the last song that he sings in the set. Nice. I mean, you guys have done a good job keeping the mystery up. Like, we only got the 20 page preview. Thanks. There's still spoilers. Like, I'm going to have to back this thing just to figure out where it goes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Please, please do. Please do. We would love that. Definitely going to because it's, I mean, it's only 20 bucks for the physical book. And I mean, it's an 80 page book. That's very reasonable by Kickstarter standards. Yeah. That's a big ass book. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of number crunching to get there. And I'm kind of happy that's what we landed on. We didn't want to do anything that was. We don't want to price ourselves out and we wanted it to be accessible. You know? Yeah. yeah you see them sometimes where the, it's like 50 bucks for, you know, a, a perfect bound 80 to a hundred page book. And it's like, Oh boy. Yeah. I've got a few in the last week. <laughs> you got Kickstarter fever. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete, um, let us, or let us, we, we know where to find you, but, uh, tell our listeners everywhere they can find you and your book and, uh, your, your collaborators, uh, info. If he wants you to hand that out. Sure. Uh, I, you can find me on all social media, uh, as, uh, under pack PAC illustration, uh, Matt sumo can be found, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram as Matt man begins. That's Matt with two T's man begins. Nice. Also, check out our collaborators. Uh, we've got, uh, I'm not going to share all their socials. We've got Matt Crotzer, our letterist. We've got Skylar Patriots doing a pinup. We've got Dan Busca. We've got a bunch of people. Um, but head over to the Kickstarter page. We've got a full list of people there. Um, and check out their art too, because we've got a tight, awesome group of artists. Well, yeah, that's one thing we didn't mention. The back of the book includes a bunch of uh, pinups and, and, and art from other artists and some, some process stuff too, right? Yes, sir. So the story itself is 66 pages. Uh, the book is geared to be 80 pages. Honestly, I think we might go over by a page or two. This is kind of my thought on the matter. Bonus pages. 
Bonus pages indeed. So we've got um, D&D inspired character sheets. We've got five pinups, a map. We've got some background stuff. We did a, we did a charity thing locally for a cancer organization uh, that's based out of Connecticut. Uh, where we raffled off a cameo in the book. So there will be a oh, section cool. in the back that calls out that person for their donation. Awesome. And likewise, uh, one of Matt's friends, uh, James, uh, is actually featured a little heavier in the book, uh, a little heavier than a cameo. The beginning of the pandemic, he had donated to um, uh, local comic shops just to kind of help keep everybody afloat. And then thank you pages, which we've got some pretty cool visuals for. Nice. Yeah, so 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 the back of the book's going to be beefy for sure, and you know, like we pay homages, we, we pay multiple homages to different things throughout the book. We pay it to comics, we pay it to you know anthologies as a whole, we pay it to Dungeons and Dragons and other RPGs, and you know, maybe we maybe we pay an homage to Marvel movies in this a little bit at the very back <laughs> of the book. Wink, wink. <laughs> oh, Ben's favorite thing. Yeah, <laughs> post credit post, scenes. scenes. <laughs> At least in a comic, I don't. You know, you know, you don't have to sit in a theater for five minutes to get to it. You can just flip to it. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> Uh, well, awesome. Um, the, the Kickstarter is live now. I will put a link in the, uh, the show notes for everybody, not just everyone that's interested, everyone go check it out. It's worth your time. Yeah. And, and, uh, when is the campaign running through, uh, Pete? Uh, the campaign is live now. It's going all the way through until October 11th, which is the last day of your comic con. Matt and I are planning to be boots on the ground there to hand out a bunch of stuff as well. Yeah. Knock on wood. Hopefully everything's good there. And, uh, yeah, so the 11th. Wonderful. Sorry for interrupting you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, you can find it, you know, just search Kickstarter for the Bardic Versus. It pops right up. I I'm excited about it. It looks really cool. I'm gonna, I, I will be backing and will be uh, eagerly awaiting awesome. my copy. Um, oh, I guess Fantastic. final question, when it is successfully funded, because it will be, I'm, I'm confident. Um, yeah. W when do you guys think you'll be shipping out? Uh, we've got it slated for uh, January of 2022. That's kind of like a worst case scenario date, I think. Our printer's committed to having us our books within three to four weeks of production. You know, three to four weeks of you know us handing everything off. Uh, the book itself is almost entirely completed. Uh, we still are. We still have to do letters, and I still have to draw seven pages. Sweet. So yeah, you guys are ready. That's awesome. Yeah. We're right at the end. By the time that this, by the time that this campaign funds, art should be done or damn near close. Perfect. Excellent. Well, e even though you don't need it, we wish you uh, all the luck. <laughs> and uh, thank you for coming on today and, uh, and and talking to us about this. This is fun, and I'm I'm looking forward to this. That's fantastic to hear. Much appreciated. Uh, thank you guys for the for the time and the platform. And I look forward to t talking to you guys down the road at some point. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone go check it out.